Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. Well, there was a man and there was a woman. They were on a trip of a lifetime to the city of Jerusalem when all of a sudden, this woman collapsed and passed away. The undertaker comes to the husband and he says, there's two options that you have. The first option is this, you can take your beloved with you for $25,000 and handle all the logistics. Or you can have this moment here in the city of Jerusalem and you can bury her and lay her to rest in this notorious cemetery where all the greats of your faith also reside. This man was perplexed because they saved up their whole life to go on this vacation of a lifetime. He didn't have the resources no the, or the know-how with the logistics to get his beloved back home. And then he was also saying, okay, well, I also have this option for only $150, something he could afford. And the undertaker even says, I will fly you back annually to see your loved one and to pay your respect. The option seemed easy, but the husband turns to the undertaker after he took a moment and he says, I'm going to take her with me for that $25,000. The undertaker was perplexed and he said, why, why would you do something like that? You can't afford it. I'm giving you an opportunity of a lifetime. And the man responds, he goes, I hear if I bury anybody in the city of Jerusalem, they have a chance to come back three days later. I'm working on my joke-telling ability. That is the opposite of honor. I hope our loved ones here in this place treat us a little more better cordial than that. Think a little bit more highly of us than that. Today we're going to be looking at a story by this man of the name David, King David. He understood this principle of honor. He was captivated by it. In fact, that's part of the reason he was elevated in life. In fact, in his life, he's known as the greatest king to ever lead, lead God's people. His name is recorded in, in the word for uh, over a thousand times, second most to Jesus. He is also the, the lineage, the, the forefather of Jesus when we look at the genealogy of Christ. What made David so great is he understood what it was to live a life of honor. Acts 13, 22 says this, even Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey says, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. Who will do my will? So we define honor as simply as this. It comes from the Hebrew word kabod, meaning to give weight. In other words, to not give way is to take someone lightly. And I would argue each and every one of us want to be taken and viewed as a person of value, a person who holds weight, a person who has a presence. See, honor is so valuable. When we honor, we give weight to someone, to something. We now live in a culture and in a time where honor needs to be elevated. So the value of honor, it's like a scale in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. We, we put 
our family? How much do we honor our family relationships? In Exodus 20, we see where, where Moses is giving the Ten Commandments. He says, what, what's the number one with, with the uh, uh, first with the promise is to honor your parents. This is the first commandment we see with the promise. Jesus later on goes in Luke chapter 18. He affirms this. He says, honor your parents. If you have parents that are alive, that are here, guardians, people who've been father, mother figures to you, honor them. It's a value. We also see the, the need of honor whenever it's, it's weighted in our life and we're putting the scale in and how much does it weigh when it comes to our, uh, uh, our intimate lives, our spouse lives, our marriages. Do I honor my, my wife? Do I do, do you ladies honor your husbands, your friendships? And, I, and honor is so big. Honor impacts us personally, intimately, and physically. We see this in 1 Corinthians when the Apostle Paul talks about honor your bodies. The need to honor who you are. That's why when God designs sex, he's saying also you need to honor one another. It's vital. Men, when you honor your wife, life is good. Ladies, when you honor your husband, life is good. Honor, it's essential. It's a need. We're encouraged to honor through our generous living and through our selfless ways. God gives us the passage and he says this in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor God with your wealth and take care of the orphans and the widows. Honor is this selfless act. It's to give weight to people. It's to give weight to actions. It's to give weight to authority and bosses. So today I want to talk to you about this big idea, and it's this. Honor is a timeless principle that lays the foundation for a proper ambition. Honor is a timeless principle that lays the foundation for proper ambition. You can have all the drive in the world, but if honor isn't a cornerstone, it becomes selfish motives. So the question I have for you this morning as we meet and as we gather, no matter where we are observing the service from, is honor a noun in your life or is honor a verb in your life? Is honor just something you do or is honor something that is just a, a, a thing or is honor something that you live with, that you exemplify? Now we all have this rebellion nature, this rebellious nature. King David he is known as a man that is, uh, is talked about for ages. Yet he says this in Psalms 32.5, after he's made a big mistake with Bathsheba in the bath. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and forgive me. All my guilt is gone. Each and every one of us in our nature, we have this rebel spirit. We see this in God's people, the Israelites. Moses goes up to Mount Carmel, gets the Ten Commandments, and then he comes back down. And what are the people? They're rebelling against what God has laid out for them in the Ten Commandments, and they're exalting a calf that is raised. David, who we talk about today, we just read a psalm. He rebelled. He made a mistake. Peter, Jesus' closest friend, doubted Christ in some of the most monumental times, even when he was forewarned. Rebellion is wired in us. So today we're going to talk about how rebellion meets honor. 
You might be struggling with honor a little bit or practicing honor if some of these things strike a chord with you. You speak of others negatively to elevate yourself. Maybe you're struggling with honor a little bit when you're missing variety in your life. Because what happens when we don't have variety in your life, we are assuming just we want to hold the weight to the people we know, to the experiences we have. We don't want to give someone else an opportunity to come and minister, come to speak into our lives. We lack variety. You might be struggling with honor and living out honor when it's about you and not about the team. If in the workplace you say, well, you know, that's just not my job. When the value of the, the employer, of the company, of your team should be elevated. So today we're going to be looking at 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. You can join me there. This is a man by the name of David. And this is the first thing that we're going to pull from our story today is this. When we develop honor, number one, we need to check our motives before we recall our memories. Check our motives before we recall our memories. First Samuel chapter one verses, or second Samuel chapter one verses one through four. After the death of Saul, David returned to David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziklag. On the third day, a man from Saul's army, he had torn his cloth and put dirt on his head to show that he was mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where he had come, and David asked, where, he, where have you come from, David asked. I escaped the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened, David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. Now I want to pause there to give you a little background. David right now is displaced from his home country. There's this man by the name of King Saul that has driven him out of the land of Israel. So David has to reside in his enemies, his arch nemesis of his people, the Philistines. So he's actually given and gifted by the Philistine king, the city of Ziklag. Now it's interesting, if you remember in David's story, if you've been with church, the first person that David conquers is this man by the name of Goliath a supernatural being that David takes the sling, knocks him out. He was a Philistine. There was always this feud, Israel, God's people versus the Philistines. But David had to go to a place that it was unlikely to find a refuge because of this man by the name of King Saul who was trying to hunt him down. In fact, if you read earlier in 1 Samuel, we see that David even takes his men and he is trying to enter into this battle where Saul dies on behalf of the Philistines because he didn't know what else to do. In fact, the Philistine kings come together and they, they say, no, David, we don't want you because we know you're really part of that country that we're fighting against. So David, and actually causes a feud with his people, he leaves and, they, and while they're leaving to maybe go engage against other countrymen, another group, the Amalekites, come in and they ravage his city of Ziklag. So David returns to Ziklag and he just gets done taking revenge and then he gets an update on how this battle went that he was left out of. And that's where he finds, and he goes, what happened, David demanded, tell me how the battle went. The man replied, our entire army fled from the battle. Many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. 
There's two contrasting approaches right here. The first one is this. We have the Amalekite soldier. He recalled the past. The greatest hang-up we have when it comes to honoring is recalling the past. We think to ourselves, I will honor that person. I will give weight. I will listen. I will give them value in whenever, if they honor me back. So we think, oh, did they treat me right? Do they like me? Were they kind to me? Were they generous with me? The Amalekite soldier, he's recalling the past when it comes to telling David what's going on. See, he assumed and presumed, which is arguably a huge hang-up in his life, that because King Saul died, David, who was displaced by this king, would be happy and be ecstatic. He, he assumed that, okay, hey, I'm going to have this selfish ambition. If I tell King David that he dies, then maybe something in, is in it for me. And you know what? I'll even take credit of killing David's arch nemesis. He recalls the past. He's so consumed of what happened that he's actually missing really what it's about to be honoring. And see, here's the thing with our past and recalling the past. It's this idea that it's called fade to gist. Dr. Charles Brainerd, he says this, he's a professor with Cornell University who studies human development. He says this, All, we have a natural bend in tendency to believe and recall our past from our personal stance and opinion. What we want to see get out of it. So when this Amalekite soldier is coming to tell David, it's for his benefit. In fact, the Innocence Project in 2011, they did a study on all the overturned cases that they were a part of. Out of 21 that they helped uh, uh, re or change, 19 of them was because of false eyewitness accounts because someone couldn't recall the past quite accurately. Whenever we recall the past, we, we shape it in the way we want to listen to it, what we want to remember it as. So this Amalekite soldier is like, I want to remember it for my own selfish ambition. He even dresses it up nicely. He comes to David and dirts on his face and he tears his clothes. This is a tribute back to Joshua when Joshua lost his battle in uh, uh, Joshua chapter 7, verse 6. He has this posture of mourning and he tears his clothes and he has dirt on his face and he calls before God and he goes to his knees and he's saying, God, what do we do? We lost this battle. This Amalekite soldier does the exact same thing to David. He's dressing up this false idea of honor, trying to wiggle his way in for the selfish ambition that's placed in his heart. And then there's David's approach. See, David, who's been displaced, who's been hurt, who his tribe has lost relationships, who's been hunted down by this King Saul, when he heard the news that his best friend Jonathan died, that King Saul died. He was more concerned about what happened in the present moment. His sense of patriotism for his country rose. His sense of concern for a loss of a friend came out. His father-in-law, God's anointed, God's touched, had fallen. David was more concerned about the present moment moment than what happened to him in the past. The Amalekite soldier, David. 
David had every reason to celebrate King Saul's death. But instead, he gets more concerned. What happened? See, biblical honor operates in the present. When we give weight to people, it operates in the present. It's not what has happened. It's not how much hurt I have bottled up. It's not this imposed affliction on our life. It operates in the present. Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 verses 53 through 58, he has this story that occurs. He goes back to his hometown and as his hometown is there, they start listening to Jesus and Jesus' popularity is rising and as he's doing miracles, they go, wait a second. They, they, they start remembering, isn't this Joseph's son? This carpenter? This man who was just a little boy? How is he going to come into our lives and start telling us this new way of living? They, they, they get so caught up in the past that they forget to give weight to Jesus, this radical new love and message in his life that they miss what he brings to the table. And this is what Jesus says. He says, then Jesus told him, told them, a prophet is honored, given weight everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own people. And he so, and so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. I want to encourage you if you're here in this place and you're struggling with honor, wherever you might be, wherever, whatever's happened in your past, start in the present to evaluate how you're honoring those around you. Number two for us, we develop honor when we respect both the position and the person. A Gallup poll did a study on many Americans and majority of Americans find value in what they do. Their identity is tied up with their careers. If we like it or not, and it's even more so in the lives of men. With what you do, it is a tie to how much people find or how much you sense value in your own life. So whenever we say, oh, it's just my job, and we try to compartmentalize the two, on, on one side, that's yes, because your identity shouldn't be in your career. Like, we know that if we're followers of Jesus. But on the other side, what we do matters a great deal to all of us. So the interesting part is you can't really separate both the position and the purpose because, or the person, because they all over, overlap one another. If you have a good day at work, then hopefully you have a good evening when you go home. If you have a bad day at work, some of that overlaps when you go home. If you have a, a, a fight with the spouse and then you show up the next day to work or the next morning, it's challenging to get past and have a, a good day. Position and person, they overlap. They, they, they are of value to many people. 2 Samuel 1, 5 through, or chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 says, How do you know Saul and Jonathan are dead, David demanded of the young man. The man answered, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the enemy chariots and charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and he saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help? I asked him. He responded, who are you? The man responds, I'm an Amalekite. I told him. Then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery for I am in terrible pain. And he went to die and I want to die. 
So I killed him, the Amalekite told David, for I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his armband, and I have brought them here to you, my Lord. This position and person are intertwined right here. See, the Amalekite soldier, we know this is kind of a fable. He has this selfish ambition, this rebellion has struck up in his life. What can he get out of it? He goes and tells David that he took down Saul because Saul wanted him to. Well, if we look back in 1 Samuel chapter 31, we see that the king actually died because archers were shot towards him and he's so inflicted with pain that Saul actually calls on his armor bearer. We see it, it's recorded in the scripture. He says to his armor bearer, kill me. The armor bearer, being an Israelite, says, I know I'm not going to touch God's anointed. So he says, I'm not going to do that. So King Saul, this massive man, a head above, a shoulder above people, falls and impales on his own sword, killing himself because he was so injured and didn't want to be taken away and tortured by the Philistines. Then what happens to the armor bearer in chapter 31 in 1 Samuel the armor bearer goes and does the exact same thing. That is honor. See, the armor bearer, he couldn't protect his king. He couldn't take the life of God's anointed. So he followed his king's lead. When it comes to it, many times we need to follow our king's lead. And here is where this Amalekite soldier, he's missing it. So he tries to compartmentalize and he tries to say, hey, the person's over here and the position's over here. Well, one thing, he's telling David a fable, a story. He's lying, so he's not respecting the person. And then he goes and he touches God's anointed and he attacks the position of the king. Well, I'll leave for work sometimes and I live um, east uh, off uh, Bay Shore down here. I live out in Babcock Ranch. And there's this blue tent that pops up. Now, uh, I, I want to be careful here. I, I, I don't want too many people yelling at me. There's this blue tent that sells flags, okay? Like American flags, like all sorts of flags right down here. And there's this uh, flag that pops up, and, and it really alarms me, honestly, if I'm being truthful with you. Uh, it's an explicit... Biden. It's a black flag and it, it says blank Biden. A very inappropriate word, Biden. If you've ever been on a boat, maybe you've seen it. A lot of people fly them on their boats around here in Southwest Florida. Uh, and maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. But what breaks my heart is, and hopefully you're not a person in here that has that flag somewhere in their house. Because what happens is, we're not honoring that position or that person. See, as the church, we are first citizens of God's kingdom. We, we are, our accountability is to him and to us. We're still supposed to be a church that is known as a house of prayer, a house that is known to uplift people, encourage people to bring an everlasting gospel, not a political place. And so what happens is whenever we fly these flags, we're not showing honor. We're not giving weight to the position and the person. When your boss gives you a directive and you don't like that directive, are you going and complaining to your peers? Children, when, you're, when your parents are telling you something, giving you a piece of a wisdom, are you saying, oh man, I'm just dismissing that? 
We develop honor when we respect the position and the person despite who that person may be and what that position might be. Number three, we develop honor when we lead with compassion. When we lead with compassion. In 1 Samuel verses 11, we see David and his men tore his clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. That's their first account. David is being hunted down by this man, displaced. And what's he do when he hears the news? He tears his clothes. This act of mourning that was given to us by Joshua. And they mourned and they wept and they fasted all day for Saul and his son, Jonathan, and the Lord's army and the nation of Israel, because they had died by the sword that day. Lead with compassion. There's three different times when David actually does something. He laments publicly. If you read after this story, David goes on and he writes a song. And so much grief and sorrow he shares. And and he's wallowing for the loss of these countrymen. David probably shouldn't shouldn't have had compassion publicly in this scenario. David probably shouldn't have shown people that this meant so much weight in his life, the loss of King Saul. You know why? Because it's this guy, it's King Saul that displaced all of David's mighty men, that displaced all of David's tribe, that's taken them out of their homeland and put them into a foreign land. And yet David cries and shows compassion publicly to everyone. I find that interesting. He tears his clothes. He, he weeps. He wallows. My wife and I, we recently had our little baby girl 10 days ago, as you know. And what was interesting, I, I love how Dark Cloud's Deep Mercy writer Mark Vogrope writes this. He says, everyone cries, even non-believers, non-Christian cries. The first thing a baby does when they come out the womb, they cry. But Christians, followers of Jesus, lament lamenting is turning to god it's giving him our complaints it's asking him it's trusting him david wasn't ashamed to lead with compassion even though he had every right to be mad can you imagine being one of his people in his inner courts and they were like he is king saul finally died we can return home david you can take the heir you can take the throne you're the rightful heir god's anointed David steps back and he laments and he shows compassion. Honoring means we lead with compassion. Jesus led with compassion. Six of his 38 miracles, it makes reference of this when he's feeding the 5,000. Jesus has compassion for them. Healing of the blind men, so Jesus had compassion and he touched their eyes. Jesus healing the leper, he was moved with compassion. Jesus, the most compassionate man to ever live, allowed his compassion to move to action. See, compassion is sympathy in action. Compassion is sympathy in action. David understood this. That's why Paul and Barnabas say he was a man after God's own heart. It's written in the Psalms. It's talked about constantly because David knew what honoring meant. It meant leading with compassion. 
It means, hey, I'm not going to celebrate when my enemy falls. I'm not going to get mad at that situation. I'm going to move on. I'm going to check my motives. I'm going to lead with compassion. David understood that. And then David also understood that you need to prioritize relationships. We develop honor when we, number four, prioritize our relationships. Then David said to the young man who had brought the news, where are you from? And he replied, I am a foreigner and a Malachite who lives in your land. This is an interesting little piece of detail because since this Amalekite lives in David's land, he is to respect and honor David's codes and laws as his people have done. So everyone knew as the armor bearer back in chapter 31 of 1 Samuel knew that, hey, you don't touch God's anointed. If the Amalekite was really telling the truth, he would have known, never touch God's anointed. This king right here shouldn't have been touched by any man, and David exemplified that. And David asked him in verse 14, why are you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? Then David said to one of his men, he turns to him and just instantly goes, kill him. So the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, For you yourself confessed that you killed the Lord's anointed. See, David prioritized relationships. You need to prioritize relationships. First relationship that David was so consumed with was his relationship, his heart to chase who God has called him to be. Then secondly, it comes into an earthly realm saying, that's God's anointed. I'm not going to touch him. I'm not going to be concerned with that. There's, there's levels, there's tears. In my life, that's how it is. And, and in your life, I'm sure it is as well. In, in my life, it's a relationship with God. If, I'm, if my heart's right with God, then I'm a lot more healthy in my life. I'm able to be a better husband. And then my second priority is to my wife. I love everyone in here. I, I do say that. Some I like better than others but I love everyone in here. I'm just joking. But if my wife ever got in the way between our relationship and yours, she's always going to win out. Because that's the priority. That's the biblical value of people. And then I have my children. God, my wife, my children. And I would encourage you, structure that. It's biblical. If the, the house isn't right, then the heart is kind of misplaced. And even David is talking about this, prioritizing and valuing people accordingly. See, what David is doing, he's saying that God's anointed should never be touched, should never be harmed. And he's setting the precedent for the coming messianic king. His name is Jesus. Prioritized by then also setting precedent. See, Jesus, he comes from the house of David, thousand years later. And David is saying, this is how much weight we need to put in who God gives us. Aaron Jane, a pastor of Coastline Church, uh, he helped uh, Matthew Barnett plant the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And uh, about 17 years into it, he feels a call to leave and go be a pastor 
well, this church was in some dysfunction and disarray, and Matthew, uh, or, or Aaron Jane, he had, he had one non-negotiable. He goes, if I'm going to be the pastor of your church, I want to bring back my predecessor, and I want to honor them publicly. The church was puzzled because this pastor did some things that were not so well. And uh, he said, I'm not going to come if we can't do that. He understood honoring the predecessor. He understood that if he can honor, he's going to set precedent. Like my heart as a guy who is following in major footsteps of Pastor Phil Goss is to honor him through and through. See, in our lives, what David is showing us and teaching us is the value of what's to come, the value of Jesus. Thousand years later, Jesus comes, lives on this world for 33 years. David's a celebrity. People know who he is. He is this legend to this Jewish people that Jesus came to minister to, that Jesus came to minister to people like you, like me. And David is saying, we need to give weight to God's anointed. So you might be in here thinking, Pastor Blake, I'm struggling with some things. I, I, I don't know necessarily what to give weight to. Maybe you're struggling to give weight to family, friends, maybe your boss at work. I want to encourage you, evaluate that scale in your life. Allow it be, hey, is my motive God-fearing? Is my motive that of King David where I'm going to honor despite what the past was telling me? Am I going to show compassion? Because we don't know what happens sometimes behind closed doors with people and the way that they're treated. David understood what it meant to honor. And today I want to encourage you to honor as well. As we wrap up and conclude, honor is a timeless principle that lays the foundation for our proper ambition. Our hope for you today is this, that you honor God by giving him weight in your relationship. By starting a relationship with Jesus, we sing about it, we celebrate it. God is more interested in having a one-on-one -on -one connection with you more than you can even imagine, and he's there for you. If we give him weight, he can do more. He can do things that are beyond our understanding. We sing these songs, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. When we believe that, when we give God weight, we're saying, God, I'm going to cast all my burdens, and I'm going to declare you, I'm going to honor you through and through it all laying that precedent for him in our Thank life. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.